Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 373 of Her, the podcast where, well, you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her freedom, her freedom. Oh, this is going to be an interesting one, to say the least. Listen, we have a great episode coming up. Just know that it's made possible through our partnership with Solaray Vitamins, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y. And in this case, since we're going to be talking about feeling better, well, one of the things that helps you feel better are probiotics, the microbiome, M-Y-C-R-O, so that's your microbiome, women's formula, 24 strains, 50 billion little friends with benefits in your gut, so super important to take care of yourself, and this is specially formulated, again, just for women. To learn more, go to solaray.com. Here's your reminder now to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. We really love hearing from you, and I'm all about feedback. So, all right, it's time for her. The podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about her. So today we're going to hear about a woman's journey. A woman's journey from doing something so many women do, which is numbing her life with food um, and suffering the consequences. So she feels what? Free. Free at last. No more numbing my life with food. Her name is Tracy Desjardins, and she is someone I know very, very well, um, who's been on my retreats with me in the past and really wanted to circle back and say, I have a story to tell where I can potentially help other people. Now, Tracy is a certified international health coach and a mind-body eating coach and a certified personal trainer and group fitness instructor, meaning she is a buffed girl and she is buffed both mentally and physically. Certainly, you know, has the credential to be able to do her thing and we want to hear from her without further ado. So Tracy, welcome to the Her Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Peak. I'm so honored to be here. All right, Tracy, why did you reach out? You were like, let's talk. I have so much to share. Oh my gosh, what was going on in your life? Yeah, well, here we are. It's 2022, and I'd like to believe that we made it through pandemic, but perhaps not. Um, I will be 52 on uh, Saturday. And if you remember, I... Happy birthday! Oh, yay, thank you. And I'm just feeling the best I've ever felt in my life. I'm so happy to report that. And I'm also so happy to explain why that is, because it wasn't the case for a long time. Uh, if you remember, it was um, 2019, um, Dr. Peak, and I had reached out to you, and we had, we had a handful of phone calls because I was struggling with stress in my life, and I was just on the go, go, go. I was using food in, in ways that I felt like I couldn't control. And I reached out to you because I have all of your books. 
I've read all of your books at least twice, and you're, you're such a, a mentor with your writing to me that I wanted to get to you one-on-one because I felt like there was something that I was missing. I felt like, you know, I'm eating well, I'm exercising hard. I've done that my whole life. I'm a, I'm a health coach. I'm a fitness trainer. And why can't I stop my little secret around 3 to 5 p.m. where by myself, I'm going for the chocolate. And yes, it's dark chocolate and it's healthy, but it wasn't always the case. Um, I just couldn't get away from using food to fill up or escape something that I couldn't put my, my fingers on. And I don't know if you remembered what you said to me. I will never forget this. It was just classic. After you got to know me and you discovered I was just run, run, run like a hamster wheel with my work, which I've been doing my whole life, frankly, you said to me, you were basically trying to tell me you have permission to take a time out in the afternoon because you need to, to recharge and to rejuvenate. And you said to me, all right, Tracy, I want you in the afternoons to sit down and shut up. And I burst out laughing because I knew what you meant. But, you know, you were talking to me in my language because as a fitness coach, you know, I have the persona of, you know, work hard and push and do this and do that and get results and don't whine and don't cry. And I kind of lived my life like that. And I was using food to calm myself down because I was ignoring my need for rest. And I was convinced that I needed more energy so I could just push and be some sort of success to keep up with something that I couldn't even identify. So. All right. Then what happened? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I, honestly, I tried to do your, I had a, a specific couch at home that when I would get off work, I would go home and I would just sit on the couch. I'd work on my breathing. And just if I could just back up and tell the listeners um, just a little bit about my my past before I got into fitness training, I was in the 70s. I was in elementary school. And as a, a toddler and a little kid, I was just slightly chubby. I always had a big sweet tooth. It was it was kind of a joke in the family, my Italian family. We love to eat. Everybody's happy and food is good and it's happy. And and the joke was when I cried as a, a little kid, a little baby, they gave my parents gave me a cookie. And I thought, oh, wow, well, no wonder I have a sweet tooth. So it was kind of funny. But, you know, I was this slightly chubby girl that I was just over the brink of being able to wear uh, normal clothes. So I wore like the pretty plus section from the J.C. Penney's, you know. And up until about the fourth grade, I was this this kid that was so happy and full of zest. I made friends easily. I was the class clown. I loved making people laugh. I was in the principal's office frequently for making kids laugh during school that was so boring. And life was good. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care what I looked like. I was just a happy kid. And then something happened. You know, when girls turn like 11, 12, and then the hormones start doing weird things, I was still that chubby girl in the pretty plus clothes, but all of a sudden I started to care what my body looked like because I had to measure up to boys and the standards and the social, the magazines, the TV shows, all of that. And so I went from being a really happy Girl Scout, fun, loving little girl who liked herself to a prepubescent or pubescent girl who all of a sudden didn't like herself, believed that she was fat and didn't fit in, and I was hell-bent on fixing that. So I started dieting. 
this was like around age 12, the sixth grade. It's just such a, such a challenging time. And um, I began dieting. I did my own, you know, restrict food restriction plan. And um, I, I worked really hard at this. And that long story short, through junior high school, through high school, the, the diet binge cycle started with me and my relationship with food and my relationship with myself, frankly, just went to hell. And the harder I dieted, the worse the binges got. And this was all in private, but you know, my, my clothes weren't fitting. You could see it in my face. And I was just really struggling, really lost. And I didn't talk to anybody about any of this. And it was just really, really hard. And as I went through college, I, I actually, my, my father, going back, he introduced me to um, aerobics classes back in the early 80s. He said, why don't you come to the gym with me? I wasn't really good at sports. You know, I dabbled in this and that. And I took my first aerobics class when I was around 13 and absolutely fell in love with that. So I started to do that. And that was kind of like an escape for me. Even though I was still dieting and binging, I got caught up in that whole needed to change my body, needed to fix my body. When I got into college, I became a certified aerobics instructor and I really went crazy with teaching as many classes as possible. So I was like 19, 20. I was able to to get rid of the chubby aspect of me because I was exercising so hard. And that was in the fat-free phenomenon, you know, the Snackwell's cookies. So I'm binging on Snackwell's cookies and I'm out exercising the cookie binges the next morning at the 6 a.m. aerobics classes and then one in the afternoon at the college. So I lived this way thinking this is working. This is what I have to do. I was admired as a fitness um, expert, if you will, that kind of built my little well, little ego, you know, well, people like me when I'm doing this, I teach a fun class, I feel more alive than ever, this is what I'm meant to do. So I pushed and pushed and pushed through exercise, got married, had two delightful children, and life got real crazy um, as I pursued a career in, in real estate appraising. I'm working full time, I'm teaching aerobics, raising kids, married, and I'm binging my brains out still trying to out-exercise those binges. Nobody knows about this except perhaps uh, a really close friend, my husband. And I just, I kept pushing. It was exhausting, but I didn't know any other way. And I felt that in order to be respected in the fitness industry, I had to look a certain way. My body had to be chiseled. And, you know, I kind of always felt like I was the heavier girl on the the, the, the staff, you know, of, of the instructors. And, and the, these are things that I told myself. So I had this inner bully that was always talking to me, you know, and then I started to get older, Dr. Peak, I started to get older. And what happened is I was not able to sustain those binges anymore. I wasn't recovering as fast. And my body was starting to get tired of the, the cardio that I would push myself to do the next morning. I thought, this is insane. So I then became a health coach thinking, okay, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. But my baking continued. I, I turned my um, regular baking into, I'm the clean eating baking expert. You know, I'd bring things into the gym and got carried away with that. Well, darn, if I didn't start binging on my paleo dark chocolate pumpkin muffins and the pancakes and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, this is nuts. So, you know, I would ebb and flow, weight up and down 15 pounds here and there and dragging my self-esteem around with me. And it was just exhausting. 
And I kept doing that. I'd get a grip on my weight and I'd have peaks and valleys like chutes and ladders. You know, I'd climb the ladder with best effort, with food fighting. And then, you know, I'd have a bad day on a Friday, have donuts. I'd slide back down and I'm, I'm square one again. So I called you in, in, in 2019 because my eating episodes of, of binging were, were getting less and less. But what I didn't like is I couldn't stop eating it. I, I, I felt like I had to use my dark chocolate stuff or whatever it was in the afternoons every day. And sometimes I'd go and I'd, I'd still get my donuts, like on Saturday and go park my car and eat my donuts. Like I was tired of the shame and I really wanted to find out what I was missing because I, I, I felt like I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I sure as hell can't work any harder at this, but I'm missing something. So I called you and you were helping me with stress. You were helping me understand it's okay and it's necessary to take breaks you were helping me shift my mindset with myself in terms of rest is necessary. It's okay. You need this. And I was doing well, Dr. Peak. I really was. And then bam, pandemic hit. So here we are, March, 2020. And the whole world goes to hell. And just like many other people, I owned, um, I owned a, a personal training studio business and I had to shut that down. And all of the question marks were up in the air, like, well, what about this? And what about that? How long are we going to be closed? And so here's what happened to me. I thought I had a grip on, on like the refined sugar junk, and I didn't. So I fell flat on my face with the Ben and Jerry's. I was, I was having it for dinner every single night for two weeks in March, beginning of the pandemic. I wasn't talking to you anymore. I, didn't, I wasn't talking to anybody. It's just me and my ice cream. And I got scared and I didn't tell anybody about this. And I kind of feel, I'll never forget it. I had like a wake up call from God. I felt like he was kind of shaking me like a raggedy and all. <laughs> and I felt in my heart, I have two choices to make right now in my life. I can either keep doing what I'm doing and play this game of shoots and ladders with food, myself, my life, all these things, and keep fighting this war and be miserable and get worse. Or I can finally park my ego as a fitness pro and admit that I have a problem and get some help because I don't have a handle on this. And I really felt a washing of humility, especially this one day. You're going to love this. I can't wait to tell you this. I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to your podcast. It was like a regular thing for me. And I, all of your topics just speak so loudly to me. So I'm always listening to your podcast in my car. And you were speaking that day to Molly Carmel, breaking up with sugar. And I damn near wrecked my car when Molly was talking about her story, because I felt like she was speaking my language, part of my life. And I finally discovered that there are other people out there like me that are having an issue with sugar. And I bought Molly's book, long story short, and I began doing her work. I took the whole month of April to just be with myself. Obviously, I couldn't really go anywhere. You know, we're in pandemic. I, I watched an episode of Dr. Phil the one day, and he had four women on the show talking about the struggles during pandemic. And he said something on that show that kicked me into gear, which was during this pandemic, you can either fall asleep at the wheel and just give up on yourself, or you can take a look at what you can do now 
with what you have to prepare yourself to come out as strong as you can on the other side of this when this whole thing is over. That so, was all so, I so, you know, all right. So you're now describing a journey that probably 80% of women out there can identify with um, where society um, pushes upon you in your mind norms of beauty and of um, appearance as a woman as you're as you're developing as an adolescent young adult um, and that you know you've you've integrated incorporated into who you are and you know it's it's a it's always a tough one because you're sitting back and you're saying well you know do i believe this stuff do i not who am i what do i actually see in the mirror i'm not sure i'm filled with self-doubt etc and then you know you basically began a very similar journey to so many women out there which is why I think your story is going to resonate with with the majority of women who who've been struggling on and off decade after decade with you know however you're going to deal with this whether it's the diet du jour whether it's exercising your brains out um and that uh, a fitness certification does not uh, mean that you're going to avoid eating issues that's not what it does what you know it's great to have god bless but at the end of the day many people dance around their problem dance around it you're okay for a little bit and then it kind of comes back again then you're okay a little bit then it comes back again you're literally dancing around this and it's it's not easy it's tough it's very tough and then finally you know, it's interesting, science shows that uh, when you hit a certain age, like a nine, you know, 49, 39, 29, whatever it may be, um, many people all by their little lonesomes have their own wake-up call. And, and oftentimes the inner conversation sounds the same, which is I'll be damned if I'm gonna be fill in the blank, you know, uh, 30, 40, or 50, you know, something ends in a zero. I'll be damned if I'm going to be 50 and still have this stuff going on. This is ridiculous. And so you, you know, throw down the gauntlet and you say, okay, you know, I'm making specific changes and I'm going to do some homework as you did. Um, and you know, it's interesting, the homework and the due diligence that you have to do are work. You, you got to go out there, you got to listen to podcasts, you have to read books, you have to um, really try to understand, wrap your head around what the actual problem is. Because sometimes it's a little mystifying to say the least and very frustrating because you think you're nailing it when in essence you are not um, or you're close to it, but you just can't seem to seal the deal. So in your case, when I had Molly on, who's a dear colleague, um, who really is all about controlling the amount of sugar in your diet, and in some people, um, you know, processed sugar uh, is very problematic 
they're much more exquisitely triggered to um, overeat and binge, etc., when processed sugar is around. So I was thrilled to hear when we talked um, before that you had reached out and and really did even further work with um, Molly and and the specific sugar issues that you've had. And so subsequent to your birthday um, back in 2020, um, you've been working on this whole sugar issue, right? So tell us about that journey. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I used to label myself as having no self-control with, with sweets, but what was really going on, Dr. Peak, is I had, I had decent control with sweets before I started dieting. Yeah, I was a little overweight, you know, but fourth grade and, and earlier, but it was when I took on the tactic of dieting and food restriction where my sugar binging just got completely haywire. So how I described, I took the month of April in 2020, and I just took time to just at peace be with myself. I did a lot of self-reflecting on my past, did a lot of reading, did a lot of writing, and I discovered that this game of dieting, this, this on again, off again, shoots and ladders, roller coaster, is really, really what started my problem with using sugar, because it was like an inner rebellious thing that would build up. So I just kind of made a pact with myself that I'm, I'm not dieting. I'm also not going to eat sugar. I eliminated um, items with flour. I just kind of just did an experiment on myself. It wasn't a diet. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to start with one day. And then one day became another day, followed Molly's suggestions in her book. I listened to her one day on the Quit Sugar Summit, Mike Collins and the Quit Sugar Summit. And I became connected with that group and discovered a whole boatload of friends who share my struggle with sugar, many of them with dieting. And I joined a community of others where I'm immersed in, in helping them and they help me and, and opening up and being able to talk about this was probably the biggest healing thing for me. And I have finally found freedom with my relationship with food. I, I eat food that loves me back. I never feel like um, there's an inner rebel that's kicking and screaming with me anymore. And what's really crazy is I never knew that I had about 12 extra pounds that were hanging out just waiting to be released. And when I, when I, you know, didn't care about the scale and didn't focus on the weight, I really didn't focus on the weight. I focused on taking good care of myself for the first time ever in my life, including rest and sleep and breaks, like you suggested. I found that I didn't need food to check out or numb or escape or, or, or cope. And quite frankly, Monday, May 9th, will mark my two-year journey, not on a diet, not on this crazy war or fight with myself, but on my pathway of healing where I journal every day. And I've kind of taken back my self-trust and my self-respect. I love it. And well, well, yeah, it was eroded. Um, with all of this, because you really do, at the end of the day, feel, you know, quite, um, you know, uh, beaten up um, with the entire process. So, I mean, that's just, what's really important here is let's extract some of the lessons that you learned, because this is 
super important. What are some of the lessons here? Well, um, one lesson is that it's really important to do the homework to find out, drill down, be honest, authentic, raw with what the problem is and to park any shame, blame, or guilt, just kick that to the curb and be brutally honest with yourself. What are your habits? You know, how does that really work for you? And so uh, you did that. And then you did something else, which is really important. You know, you kept searching for a tribe, you know, a support system. There's a lot of tribal members out there just waiting to be discovered. And your tribe ended up being people who are suffering just like you. And I, I bring this up, this whole adventure with you, Tracy, because so many people out there are also struggling like this. Some people are so much more sensitive to the reward system in their brain's response to processed sugar. Other people, not so much. You know, they're like, well, whatever. You know, I had a little, I had a cupcake. Who died? Um, whereas that doesn't happen with you. This is why on my book, The Hunger Fix, I have that half-eaten cupcake on the cover for that very reason. But, you know, there's something else too, and that is, you know, when you um, are, are looking at this whole issue of how you felt, and you felt so down and all the rest of it, physiologically, when you're eating all the donuts and the, and the chocolates and all the rest of it, what you're doing is you're actually creating increased inflammation throughout the body, especially in the gut, and then therefore a leaky gut. And when that happens, um, it affects your entire body. You get rashes, you get pain in your joints, um, you get headaches, and then you also decrease the amount of serotonin, which is a mood modulator that keeps you happier and more stable. You, you reduce that significantly because the gut creates, it secretes 90% of the serotonin in the human body. So because of that, then right along with the leaky gut, the inflammation, all the weird stuff going on throughout your body, now you feel rotten. You feel depressed, you feel down, and you're like, you know, can this just get any worse? So this is why doing all the work that you did and putting together, you know, your, your whole, you know, scenario, a strategy, you created a strategy to help yourself, and then you kept building on it. I always say the most successful strategies are the ones you can sustain. Well, you just said two years. Your birthday's this Saturday. So you know something? That sounds pretty damn sustainable to me. <laughs> Whereas, you know, with all the fad diets and the stupid stuff going on out there, not sustainable. I mean, you'll be lucky to make it through five days worth of that silliness. Whereas you've created, here's another life lesson, a better relationship with food. You said it in a very interesting way. You said, I'm going to be eating the food um, that gives back to me. 
um, that is going to reward me with health and well-being. Um, and so you look at food very differently versus food as an anesthetic, right? It's, it's there to numb you. It's like, I'm so damn tired. It's Friday. I'm throwing up my feet. Bring on the, on, on the crazy processed food. Well, no, that's not the way food's supposed to work. Clearly, food, certain foods, can be a delightful treat and all the rest of it. But you were eating mountains and mountains of this stuff just to numb yourself. That's an inappropriate use of food. And plus, a lot of the stuff you were eating was just trash. And, and you don't need that. Um, and so you found yourself in a different place to be able to do that. Now you're doing something else. You're doing the gift that keeps on giving. So you're kind of a see one, do one, teach one, right? See one, do one, you did it, and now you're teaching. Tell us what you're teaching now. You're, you're now a health coach. Yeah, so excited to talk about this. So deep down inside, I've really always wanted to do this work, but I felt like exercise was the one thing that kept me safe. It was a sure thing. I was good at it. I always got good feedback. It kind of kept me small, kept me safe, and I, I did it for so many years. But deep down inside, I knew I wanted to do more with the whole eating challenge, especially for, for women, because most of my clients over the years have been women. And one of the things that I discovered once I saw the light with uh, what, uh, how I was sabotaging, sabotaging myself with food, I realized how much time and energy and mental energy I was spending on the diet game and then the recovery. And I got kind of angry about this. Like I was not put on this earth to find my next diet, to start over on Monday, to binge on the weekend and then recover. I have spent so much precious time in my life on those particular activities and I'm finished with that. So the discovery that, that people have once they're not fighting themselves with food is, wow, maybe I was meant to be this. Maybe I was meant to do this. Now that I can trust myself with food, I can rely on, on my choices it's almost like a big yellow brick road of healing opens up like, oh, wow, I was meant to do this. So I believe that I was meant to coach in this arena with helping women break free from the toxicity of dieting and finding peace with food, body and self. So when I <laughs> when I finally found my own freedom, I thought, oh, my gosh, I now know how to cope with stress in life without using food. This is my thing. I have so many wonderful ideas about this. Everybody has what I call a food story. And I love listening to everyone's unique journey with food. And I encourage them in private to talk with me about their food story. So when I ended up feeling this way, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, during my first year into the pandemic and doing this inner work, I said, I'm going to write a book. People have been telling me, Tracy, you write well, you really ought to go and write a book. So I wrote a book and it's coming out this summer. And it basically breaks down the essence of everything that I've discussed in this, this episode right now. And it's called the diet free diva. And it's basically five tips, five specific tips to heal and find food freedom. 
because I believe that we all have an inner diva that is discovered. That means our intrinsic purpose and gift and talent to put out into the world. When we are free from the hijacking of dieting and fighting with food. And I I couldn't be more excited. Well, congratulations to you on the book. You've got to make sure to um, shoot me a copy, to say the least, and we'll get the word out for you. But, you know, what's really cool here is that, you know, you're very, very articulate about what this all, what what this entire journey was. Um, You say it in a way um, that really speaks to the fact that you've you've lived it in reality this is a you know really lived experience and that you get it with how hard this is sometimes and you also get it with how you can make it easier for yourself um and and what your little tools tips and techniques are um to be able to achieve this you know it was important to bring you on for this episode, Tracy, because I knew how articulate you are, um, that you're very real um, about your experience. You're very forthcoming. You're not going to hold back. You're, you're going to say your, you know, what's necessary to say to get the point across. Um, and I, I love that because this whole thing, we need to honestly out there redefine our relationship with food. Everyone's different. You know, every single person is different. Um, so uh, when when we look at how we nourish ourselves, I love to use that word because it's beautiful. When you want to nourish yourself, you use whole foods you, you know, take the time to be able to think it through. What do I need to do to nourish my gut, to nourish my mind, to nourish my entire well-being? And then when you think about that, the last thing on your mind is trash food. But you know what happens with the trash food thing. You have to take a step back. Why are you knee-jerking into a reactionary place by seeking food products, um, more science projects than anything else, um, that will numb you. Why are you using food to numb yourself? I mean, it's the same thing with drugs and alcohol. It's all about numbing. It's all about numbing. And you think you're having a good time, no. You know, go ahead and do whatever it is out there. And you tell me how you feel five minutes later. And if you're filled with shame, blame, and guilt, well, you know, sorry, you were numbing. And so this is why it's important to be very mindful of every mouthful, to think of the word nourish, not stuffing face, but nourishing. That's what you, that's the real goal here. And you're a, you're someone who, you know, when I say, you're successful, Tracy. When I say that you're successful, you're you're successful um, because you're on the journey. This is dynamic um, on the overall. That means that you are working this every single day. 
you are mindful every single day. And there's no there there. You don't just say, okay, I'm done. I'm so successful, I can't stand myself. I am done. No, you're not. You wake up every day and you do it again. That is called mastery. The master is someone who stays on the path and practices whatever it is day in and day out, day in and day out. And there are times you may fall on your little behind, you dust it off, stand up and get right back to it. It's called regrouping. And that is what you're doing. And that is the reality of the whole thing. So as we're pulling this together, what is, you know, because we've covered so much and this has been such a great episode. What is your final little word, a little nugget of wisdom you could share with our Her Podcast listeners right now? Oh, this is so great. Because as I'm listening to you, I'm putting myself in the shoes of all of the listeners out there. And I, I'm one of your listeners. And I was one of your listeners when I was struggling. And what I needed to know was when life gets crazy, I, you know, I wake up in the morning with the best of intentions. We all do. We're going to eat well. We're going to exercise. It's easy in the beginning of the day. And then what happens? Why am I falling apart at 3 p.m. when I'm feeling stressed? And I turn to food to check out to not. How do I stop that? And what I want to say is, and I, I describe this in my upcoming book, The Diet Free Diva, coming out in July. I learned to do what I call a personal inquiry, where I stop. I do this every single day, especially on the hard days. And I encourage everyone to consider this. When you're having that moment where you feel a craving, you feel a calling for food, and you know you're not physically hungry, you just need something, something, here we are. Now is the time to do a personal inquiry, and here's what we do. We stop we connect with ourselves. We take a few deep breaths. And I'll use myself as an example. Tracy, what's going on? What do we really need? What are we feeling? And what will we do right now? So I pull out an inner nurturing voice. We all can cultivate one. But without that personal inquiry, to connect with ourselves and what our real needs are, it's just too tempting to use food to cope. And that is what I'm polarizing to the world, teaching coping skills against this foodie society because it's in our face 24-7. And it can be done. Well, the good <laughs> news is you sound wonderful, Tracy. Huge, huge hugs. It's so good to hear your voice again and to know that, you know, you have persevered and you continue to fight on because you know something, girlfriend, you're doing the work, just doing the work. And that's what it takes. Everyone out there, you do the work too. You run on over to iTunes right now. Take a minute and rate and review the show because boy, did we have goodies for you. And I'm sitting here waiting to hear from you. Love you all. I am Dr. Pam Peek 
host of the Herb Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, Spotify, all the major platforms. I am there. Thanks for listening today. Listen, please stay safe and stay well.